When it comes to cybersecurity, reacting to a threat isn't always enough. You have to get ahead and stay ahead of the escalating risks. My name is Sid Yenamander, and I'll be your host for Unencrypted Truth, a podcast powered by Entrada, the leading provider of comprehensive cybersecurity compliance software tools designed specifically for wealth managers and other regulated industries. All season, I'll be interviewing business professionals about what's keeping them up at night and how they're successfully mitigating the looming vulnerabilities that may exist within their firms, whether it's ransomware or cybersecurity compliance. We'll uncover the role cybersecurity education and training plays in preparing an organization for a cyber threat and help clarify the differences between preventative cybersecurity versus cyber insurance. There's a lot of truths to share, so let's unencrypt it together and dive right in. Welcome, Tim Jerzak, to this episode of The Unencrypted Truth. Tim, you're the uh, Chief Information Security Officer for Smarsh. Thank you for joining me today. Tim, give us a little bit about your background. How did you get into information security? Thanks, Sid. I appreciate you having me. I think, you know, like a lot of people doing security in my age group, kind of just fell into it. I was actually a history major in college, went into the Marine Corps got a passion for technology and information security. I actually started in IT and worked my way up and you know ended up in managing IT security programs. I've been doing this for about 15 years now, mainly in the software as a service space. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, had no regrets. It's been challenging but fun. That's great. That's great, Tim. Well, you know, it's uh super exciting to have you here. You know, cybersecurity is a a very dynamic topic, as we all know. There's just been a lot of breaches recently, lots of news. A um, couple of questions for you, Tim. I mean, to start off, with the pandemic, the way enterprises have been managing cybersecurity and cybersecurity risk, things have changed quite a bit. The landscape is dramatically different now. Talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing out there in terms of how organizations are managing cyber risk with the advent of hybrid work and some of the new paradigms that uh, the new realities that we all sort of live in. The interesting perspective is I think we've been on this continuum for some time now where companies have started offering remote. And my thought is, is if this pandemic had hit five years ago, companies would have had a hard time doing anything. Mm-hmm. We brought in a lot of software as a service capabilities, remote access capabilities, and that has created its challenges for cybersecurity, information security teams as far as now we've got this dispersed workforce that's spread out over geographic distances into places that they have an internet connection and Mm -hmm. therefore the person's good. The challenge for teams is that had to embrace that and various companies I've worked for, we've had to do that, which is make sure that we're establishing controls onto machines that are not within the four walls of the business and to make sure that we have knowledge of those assets, plus have protections on those machines that in the old days, you know, you configured a firewall, you placed it, you could do your web filtering right at the edge of the network. Now you're trusting their internet access, their even physical security for the machines that are there. Yeah. And it's definitely stretched the capabilities of information security teams, cybersecurity team, making sure that those controls, protections are in place to really reduce the risk of and provide that capability to businesses that didn't maybe, like I said, may not have had it even five years ago. So, you know, one of the things that we saw quite a bit, right, Tim, is that 
a lot of organizations were focused on perimeter security protocols within their sort of corporate networks, just making sure that they had better firewalls, they had better alerting for vulnerabilities that come up around core networks, core infrastructure networks, assuming everybody was in the office. Everyone's accessing the local network, either through wireless or through wired infrastructure. And so a lot of emphasis on that. Remote work was kind of a afterthought in the sense that Folks would spend 20% of their time working remote, maybe 30% of the time, not everybody. Now that everybody's working remote, what is your sense of sort of the preparedness and the some of the challenges around people bringing in their own devices, people having their own, because you have no control over that anymore, correct? Yeah, I, I think that's correct. I mean, there's definitely some innovations there that for and getting closer and closer to bring your own device, bring your own laptop, those type of concepts. But I think that the challenge really is the same, whether it's somebody bringing their device in or also, you know, the machines leaving the perimeter of a traditional office that people can do unless you have proper protections on those machines that they can do whatever they want with them once they leave, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and making sure you have the visibility on the activity that's happening on those machines as a preventative control, not a privacy side of, you know, we're not really interested in what people are doing from a personal email perspective or, you know, are you you working right now? It's really just what is somebody doing? Are they installing software on the machines and stuff like that? So it's definitely stretched the, the capabilities from a security team has in order to provide that capability to the business and make security, you know, an enabler visa, hey, you can't do it because I've lost control of the the machine and therefore nobody works from home. Mm -hmm. And then we've lost that capability of the flexibility even. One thing the pandemic has shown is that some of the things that security has already asked the business to do enabled the business to be more flexible on and for smarsh we were able to just say hey just work from home because we had those capabilities already correct so so you find that certain organizations are better prepared for the advent of the remote work environment than others because they already had some of those protocols in place yeah yeah definitely i mean there's and a lot of it you know, you have smaller companies that in certain industries that are were very much focused on you did everything from the office. Mm-hmm. And that's a mindset to really to have change and it's changing slowly over time with companies demonstrating that it can be done and done in a secure way. Right. That really helps those businesses say, Hey, we can do this. Got it. Now at Smarsh, as we all know, data privacy, data archive data infrastructure that organizations have, protecting that is our core mission, right? Correct. What keeps you up at night relative to making sure that your and our organizations are protected? Because at the end of the day, as we've discussed in the past, if there is an incident or far worse, a breach, it erodes trust with your clients because if clients are entrusting us to protect their data and make sure that the data is, uh, is archived, and retrievable, uh, you know, at their beck and call. If we get breached, massive breach in trust. How do you solve for that? What do you worry about at night, personally, from an organizational standpoint? Yeah, I think you know, for me, it's my belief that security is an advisory function to the business, and making sure that they understand the risks that are out there. I think generally, what keeps me up at night as a CISO is: Do I have knowledge of what the threat landscape looks like, and am I paying enough attention to it so I can distill that down? And have I given guidance to the business, the leadership of what should we really be worried about? And have I distilled it enough to set, recommend what controls and protections need to be in place to, 
either mitigate the threats that are coming in, eliminated them, or advised the business, you'll be okay. We have enough controls in place to address it. And being proactive from a security perspective of being looking out far enough ahead to know that this is what's coming down the pipe, whether it's new technologies, whether it's new threat actors, whether it's um, you know various other things that are coming at you, am I, are we acting fast enough to address those? Making sure that technologies are available from a security perspective, it's are we providing the advisory services so that the business can make decisions on what risk they're facing. Got it. Are there specific threat vectors that concern you directly in terms of just what we're seeing in this new reality that we're all living in that keeps you up at night, ransomware, supply chain risk, all of the above? I mean, what are some of the specific areas that concern you? So I think right now it's brought up two topics that are enormous concern because a lot of companies have been hurt. The major thing that we've seen a large increase on is, is just phishing emails being able to detect them, educating employees to recognize them and being able to react to them coming in and prevent that negative consequence. Mm -hmm. Because we're a self-service company where a lot of our products are cloud-based, it's the supply chain and and all our vendors that are cloud-enabled is doing third-party risk management on them and and really understanding the longer set of that, which is our third parties are now have fourth parties, fifth parties, sixth parties, and understanding that ecosystem that our customers are asking us about as well, which is, you know, they're, you know, we're a third party to them, you know, our third parties are their fourth parties. So they're asking us questions about how we're addressing our supply chain and how we're doing our due diligence on those companies as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, and, and, and I think all, all great points. And, you know, the other, the other issue is this notion of APTs, right? Uh, uh, advanced persistent threats that all organizations have to sort of deal with continuously. You do not want to be, as an organization, the organization that uh, shows up in the newspaper because there was an issue that was unique in your particular uh, environment. But yeah, no, so all great points. Now, what innovations, Tim, that, you know, you talked about supply chain risk, you talk about increase in phishing attacks. Are there technologies that you're personally super excited about in terms of sort of some of the innovations that you're seeing out there? I mean, a lot of the tech companies are working on some pretty cool stuff when it comes to cyber. It feels like every every couple of weeks there's a new sort of company getting funded or reaching unicorn status in this in the cyber realm. But are there specific technologies that you are looking at or personally tracking? that you think is going to change the cybersecurity landscape? Yeah, good question. I think with the push to you know cloud services and, and in general, there's a lot of capabilities there with newer companies coming online that are allowing you to either validate your trust in them. You know, so you look at you know the cloud posture security monitoring space, how they're doing that, you know, ones that are allowing you to test those environments without impacting a production mm-hmm. because the operations teams are very much sensitive to anything that's going to take down production and prevent services. And there's always a risk, even like with pen testing is, you know, how careful are you that um, you're testing and making validating your environments, but that's at the same time, not taking even mistakenly uh, services away from your customers, which is, um, I mean, I always say, you, ha- you know, sometimes you only have like one shot at that. The first time you take production down, you've lost all the credibility from a security department perspective mm-hmm. and you've got more explaining to do. But companies that are allowing you to to do your due diligence on those environments and check the integrity of those environments without the risk of taking down those systems. 
the other things that are more important is with the solar winds and other software development companies that have been compromised is companies that are are doing more um, integrity checking of your code of you know who who has made changes to the code and was that change intended for your code are really good spaces that are put getting a lot of investment these days. No, that's excellent. Actually, Tim, you're right. The The whole software bill of materials issue is very real. Oftentimes we, and I can tell you in our own business, right, we use technologies that help us do certain things. Either we package them as part of our products or we use them to do certain things. And if those technologies that we're licensing are vulnerable because they're using outdated software packages, they're using Apache that hasn't been patched in a while, and the vendor is telling us that the technology is great and it meets all the standards, can we really take that in face value? How do we really get in? And and then you kind of fall into this issue and you talked about this, which is should the vendor be forced to provide you their software bill of materials if a vendor is working and developing their technologies using eight different other technologies, are they required to disclose that or not? How do you test it? So I think the software bill of materials issue is becoming definitely an issue. And I think SolarWinds attack was an example of that. If I'm using SolarWinds to manage endpoints and SolarWinds gets breached because of a vulnerability that exists in their systems, just taking their attestation that their software is great is not good enough anymore, right? And so... Um, excellent, excellent point. So, Tim, uh, for, I wanted to thank you for taking the time uh, to join us today. And I think your some of the insights you shared with us were very valuable. You know, I look forward to chatting with you maybe in future sessions. But once again, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Unencrypted Truth. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. To learn more about how Intrada can provide comprehensive cybersecurity software to protect your client data, visit entrada.com forward slash podcast. And please be sure to follow, rate, and review this show wherever you listen to your audio content. We'll be back with even more truths to unencrypt on our next episode.